Technology. <laughs> um, first, I, you know, I, I regret that I'm unable to be there uh, in person, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to zoom into your meetings and introduce the next two speakers. Between them, they have a wealth of knowledge to share with you, so let me briefly introduce them, and then I'll be back to ask them a few questions after Allison's presentation. Dr. Rob Johansson is Director of Economics and Policy Analysis at the American Sugar Alliance and is celebrating the one-year anniversary of his joining the sugar team. Rob analyzes and interprets market dynamics for the industry and keeps us up to date on how the market and government policies can affect U.S. sugar producers. Prior to joining the Alliance, he was the Chief Economist at USDA, where he directed commodity analysis, headed the risk management agency, and managed the designs of various USDA programs. In addition, Rob's work experience with the Congressional Budget Office and the Office of Management and Budgeting are invaluable to our efforts to help shape legislation and policy that benefit our growers. Um, as Jack mentioned, I've been with the um, Sugar Alliance now for, for one year, uh, which is important for a number of reasons, but certainly one of uh, uh, the, the things that the one-year period allows me to do now is to go back to USDA, where I was for oh, about 20 years, um, and I can talk to my colleagues about the sugar program, which I was prevented from doing for that one-year period. So we'll talk a little bit more about that as, as we get into the slides. All right, I'm going to go to the next slide. Here we go. Just a quick intro about me. Um, you may remember um, Jack Roney, my predecessor. Uh, he was very good in, in mentoring me and, and, and uh, introducing me around the industry uh, over the past year. Of course, that was a little di difficult during COVID, but um, now I'm here. Uh, as I mentioned, it's good to meet everybody. Um, Jack and I did share a couple uh, similarities. We both enjoyed hockey. Here's a picture of me as a young lad up in Minnesota where I grew up. Um, we both enjoyed uh, beverages. Um, Jack enjoys those made uh, by grapes, as you may recall, and I'm enjoying a grain-based uh, beverage here on the ice in Minnesota. After my uh, time in Minnesota, I went, served uh, overseas with the Peace Corps for about four years in Central Africa, um, working with farmers. Came back to the U.S., got my graduate degree in agricultural economics, um, went off to Washington, D.C. to work with, with USDA, and that's where I um, settled with my, my wife and uh, raised our children there in, in Northern Virginia. All right, the outline today that I'm going to talk a little bit about the macroeconomy, um, farm situation here in the U.S., sugar outlook, um, summarize a little bit. Uh, hopefully, Alice and I will um, complement each other's talks. Uh, she's going to dig a little bit more in depth, so I'm going to cover the top line um, notes. Um, generally, I usually start with talking about uh, where economic growth is in the United States. We know that 2020 was a really tough year for the economy, um, bouncing back in 2021 and 2022, but then returning to more normal conditions in 2023. Um, so again, as, as you all know, a fairly uh, strong economy right now, a lot of economic growth, and that brings up this key risk to that growth um, is inflation. We've seen a lot of discussion about <coughs> inflation. I'll talk a little bit about inflation here. Certainly something that um, that our customers are talking about right now. Um, they're seeing inflation in the grocery stores as well as our um, industrial users are also talking about inflation in different ways. And of course, we, we try and couch um, sugar, uh, sugar price inflation in, in ways that are understandable both to our customers uh, at the grocery store as well as uh, our industrial users. Consumer price index running at a 40-year high. 
um, just bouncing back from extremely uh, relatively low levels of inflation last year, of course, with, with the pandemic, but still certainly something that the Federal Reserve is focusing on. Now, what's driving that uh, inflation? Well, for the past year, you know, we've been giving stimulus uh, out to a lot of the economy, a lot of households, um, uh, and that's translated into a, a, an increase in demand for a lot of consumer goods. Uh, of course, we, a lot of Americans weren't spending money on entertainment, on travel, what have you, the last year. That money is being uh, building up their savings, but also building up their demand for, um, for durable goods. Mm -hmm. Stimulus also, of course, went to the ag sector. We saw a lot of support when I was at USDA. We were working on putting up the CFAP program, the market facilitation program prior to that. Uh, in addition, um, the Small Business Administration had a program for a number of producers. So overall, between 2021 and 2020, uh, 2020 and 2021, we saw uh, payments to US farms at about $31 billion over those two years and an additional $14.5 or so um, in non-USDA pandemic relief uh, that went to the farm sector. So we did see not just U.S. households spending more, but we also saw uh, producers spending a lot more last year. Tractor and combine sales up by double digits here uh, relative to last year, um, just showing uh, how uh, those are running up 10% with tractor sales and 25% up from last year for uh, combine sales. Contributing to this uh, you know, demand, at the same time, we're seeing a lot of bottlenecks in the supply chain. Uh, mostly in transportation, whether that's deep sea freight, which affects uh, certainly some of our uh, shipments of, of sugar as if we're importing, we're the number three largest sugar importing country. But also here in the US, of course, we've seen a lot of truck transport and a lot of rail transport inflation, both running at significantly higher levels than we've seen in the past. Energy costs also up. We're starting to see those levels level off a little bit. Diesel and gas at about 350 a gallon right now. Um, Crude oil sitting at about $80 a barrel. Um, those are also going to be contributing to cost next year. And we'll see that in some of the numbers that USDA uh, has been putting out in terms of what we can expect to see for inflated uh, import costs next year. Federal Reserve is certainly talking about raising interest rates to deal with this. Um, you can see some of their notes from their open market committee meetings signaling that they're um, expected to raise interest rates uh, this coming year uh, of up to 75 basis points. So we'll see that will obviously increase the cost of borrowing money in the U.S. Um, loans will uh, reflect that, and we'll see interest interest costs for uh, farm balance sheets going up. So, you know, what do we think about um, what do consumers think about the economy, and sort of, and similarly, what do producers think about the economy? I've got two indices here. One is called the Purdue CME uh, Index. That's in green, uh, and the University of Michigan also does a, a survey of consumers. May have heard of the, um, the consumer sentiment, uh, sentiment index that's in gray. Both of those started diverging from actual underlying fundamentals back in May, April, May, when inflation started taking off. So we've seen, I'm showing just corn prices here at index, very strong high uh, prices for, uh, for a lot of uh, food commodities. Uh, similarly, the Dow Jones has been going up uh, relative to pre pandemic times. But strangely, we've seen this divergence of how people feel about the economy occurring uh, pretty much tied to when inflation started taking off. USDA just put out new numbers um, on farm expectations for 2022. We saw farm profits grow in 2021, uh, but expected to come down about 2% on farm cash income and uh, net farm income down about 8% uh, 
economy in 2022. And that's driven by a couple things. Mainly, even though crop value and livestock values are expected to go up this coming year, uh, lower government payments as well as higher input costs are expected to bring that, bring that down, but still running at above 10-year averages in terms of net cash uh, income and net farm income. Expenses up in 2021 by quite a bit uh, uh, across the board. I've got another slide here. Talk about this one a little bit more. So we've seen uh, cash rent going up uh, relative to 2020 to uh, 2021, as well as to, from the last farm bill. So if you look back to the last farm bill at the end of 2018 till um, 2021, we're also seeing increases in um, uh, in these expenses. Cash labor is one of the largest. Um, also, storage and transportation costs going up significantly. As you all know, uh, the the cost of buying fertilizer is going up quite a bit as well. Um, we've seen year-over-year -year increases in address at about 195%. Um, urea up 142% compared to last year. Um, and phosphorus also up significantly. Um, new report out by Texas A&M that I'm pointing to here that doesn't quite capture the most recent upticks in, in fertilizer prices. But certainly this is something that's weighing on a lot of producers' minds uh, going into planting this spring. On the other hand, uh, the balance sheet has been has been strengthening. Oh, I just want to make sure that I'm talking about the same slide that you guys are looking at. So we've seen uh, an improvement in the balance sheet. We've seen uh, uh, the, the number of delinquent farm loans declining uh, as tracked by the Kansas City Federal uh, Reserve, uh, and the percent of those also falling. So it, you know, generally speaking, um, farm loan delinquencies uh, have been historically low uh, over the past 10, 20 years. You know, a lot of times when people start worrying about inflation or looking at debt levels going up, uh, everybody uh, remembers back to the 80s. We're in a very different situation right now. The balance sheet is quite strong uh, in terms of farm, uh, the farm balance sheet. That's being translated into higher cropland values, so I'm just showing um, across the board uh, from Minnesota down to Texas. Don't have uh, values for the southeast here. I do show some uh, southeast values here, uh, also on the right-hand side, uh, a little bit harder to track, but overall, Farmland values on average going up by about 8% last year, uh, but double digit increases in the most recent quarter in a lot of non-irrigated cropland areas. So looking at prices right now, why are they firming up? Well, we're seeing a significant dryness in uh, South America that's affecting a lot of their crop. Uh, we'll be affecting their sugar production this year as well. Um, so expect to see continued tight balance sheets. And we'll talk about that in a second. But overall, we're seeing in 2022 expectations for higher higher prices for uh, most of the commodities that USDA puts out in their in their monthly WASDE uh, increases uh, of corn. You know, it's sitting at 450 here for 2022. Obviously, cash prices a little bit higher than that right now. Soybeans at over $12 a bushel. USDA's forecast for overall uh, net returns over variable costs over the next 10 years shows that 2021 is certainly expected to be a peak. And well, um, we do, uh, they do expect to see some declines over the next 10 years, um, still re remaining relatively high compared to uh, the historic average. So that being said, as you all know, 2021 is a good year. You're buying inputs at, at low prices and getting um, fairly good prices for, for your commodity. So one thing that I've been asked to look at is how does how do current market prices compare to farm loan rates across a couple different commodities? I'm showing cotton, corn, wheat. 
uh, refined sugar and raw sugar here. So this is the, uh, the loan rate divided by the price um, that you're getting. Uh, so the strength of some of the commodities such as corn is driving down that, that percent. So the loan rate relative to, to the, uh, the market price um, is, is relatively low right now, just because we have high corn prices. Um, certainly we see a much stronger relationship between the, the loan rate for refined raw sugar compared to the current market rates. Um, and that's for a number of reasons, and we'll get to the prices right now and then get to the sugar outlook. Overall, world sugar, looking like uh, the balance sheet is tightening up a little bit. Uh, over the last couple of years, we've seen this occur. Why is that? Well, overall, uh, we see glowing global demand for sugar at about 1% per year. This is data that um, Zarnico uh, has just put up on their, uh, their website. So over the past 10 years, that's, that suggests that we should see about 14 million metric tons more of sugar consumed globally. Um, yet there has been very little investment in new expansion of either beet or cane acreage globally. Um, that's contributing to that tight uh, stocks to use uh, situation globally. And why is that important to, to domestic prices? Because of course we have um, the domestic sugar program that uh, separates us a little bit from the global market, but we'll get to that when we talk a little, uh, a little bit more about the tier two levels of sugar imports. Uh, in the U.S., we've, since 2000, our sugar consumption has been growing at about 23% over that time period, but flat on a per capita basis. So uh, Americans are generally consuming roughly the same amount per capita that they have been over the last five to 10 years. Um, but still, as the population grows, we still see continued growth in overall sugar consumption in the U.S. At the same time, total sweetener use has fallen, and that's mostly because Americans are eating much less agricultural corn syrup. Production-wise, um, this year we're ex expected to see a record production of sugar, domestic sugar in the U.S. at 9.4 million short tons of raw value. Um, part of that driven by the recent uptick in the crop here in Louisiana. Um, the USDA just uh, increased its estimate of sugar production from Louisiana in this last WASDE. Overall, um, if you remember back in the summer, we were facing a fairly significant drought in upper-tier states, uh, beet states. So, uh, in addition. Uh, with Hurricane Ida, there was some uh, worry that we were going to see a drop in, in sugar production. Uh, the drought in the upper Midwest uh, cleared up right before the harvest. They got some timely rains, and certainly, as you all know, you had fairly, uh, very decent conditions for harvest this year that increased sugar uh, production. Overall, beet deliveries are up relative to, uh, well, this is uh, to the last year, but also this is showing the drop in beet sugar deliveries um, following the 2019 force by year, cane sugar picked up the slack that year. Um, things are more uh, returning to more normal conditions where you have a little bit higher uh, beet sugar deliveries. Uh, overall, it's about 54%, 50% uh, cane sugar, and between uh, 46 and 50% beet sugar deliveries. Non-reporter deliveries increased a little bit as well in that year, um, but again, returning to more normal conditions uh, as we move forward into the crop year or into the, the 2022 season. Um, stocks to use ratios as, you know, following the 2017 um, suspension agreement revisions with Mexico, we've seen um, stocks to use ratios here in the United States sitting in that 13 and a half to 15 and a half to half target range by USDA. All right, just talking about prices a little bit, the current uh, world raw sugar price at, 11, at number 11 contract, um, it's a global price for raw sugar. 
we add to that about three cents for um, transportation. That's that purple line there running um, below the US raw number 16 price at about 36 cents a pound. Um, I drew a line there to show the suspension agreement floor with Mexico uh, between 25 and 26 cents. So right now the number 16 domestic uh, contract is running about 10 cents above that, that floor that's essentially guaranteed by the suspension agreements with Mexico. Um, what does that mean for tier two deliveries? So we've seen some tier two sugar entering, raw sugar entering. Um, there is a tariff uh, that's paid on that sugar at about 15, uh, 15 cents a pound. So if you get a difference occurring between that, that world raw price plus transportation and the US price that exceeds that 15 cents, you're likely to see more tier two coming in. So right now we're right at that, uh, right at that ceiling. As that global sugar price, as I was mentioning earlier, increases, that raises um, the ability for the domestic raw price to go up without triggering tier two entries. So it does provide a cap on our prices here in the US as that level for world raws increases. We also see that cap increase. Uh, looking at the refined price, um, we're sitting at about 39 cents a pound for refined wholesale beet uh, sugar. That's about five cents above the suspension agreement floor at 33 to 34 cents. And again, above uh, the world refined price. We're a little bit further away from that cap. Um, so again, there's a 16 cent tariff on tier two entries of refined sugar. We're a little bit further away from that at the moment. So more, less likely to see refined uh, tier two coming into the US. Okay, um, one thing we hear from our sugar users is that prices are running high. Uh, but when we look actually over time, we account for inflation. Real prices for sugar has been actually falling over the last four decades. Uh, raw prices have fallen by about 35, 34% over the last 40, uh, 40 years. Uh, similarly, uh, wholesale refined prices have fallen as well by about 35% over the last 40 years. Nominal um, sugar prices at retail, so the nom at the retail level is also uh, relatively flat down just a little bit. Um, it's interesting to note that uh, certainly seven in 10 Americans would say that they prefer US produced sugar, even if foreign produced sugar is less expensive. Um, so it's important when we talk about sugar prices to, to over a time period, to keep in, uh, keep in mind what inflation has been doing to that price. So overall, the real prices for the product has actually been flat or falling. I'll compare that a little bit to our uh, some of the sugar user prices for some of their products. For example, we know that Consumer price that producers or that consumers see at the grocery store has been increasing over over time. Looking back to 2010, when retail and wholesale prices were roughly the same, wholesale price has fallen since that time. So this gap that we're seeing between the retail and the wholesale, we see it in, in beef, we see it in other commodities, and dairy as well. Um, it's essentially this wedge that the retailers are are are, are taking essentially um, in in selling that product in their in their operations. Since 2010, producer prices down, as I mentioned, about 34%. Consumer prices up 12%. All the while, the sugar industry is providing the service of storing sugar. We see that, you know, as the harvest moves forward, we produce more sugar. We're doing it right now. We see uh, almost 3 million tons of sugar that we put under storage in uh, February and March period, uh, peak of our production. Certainly, the beef guys are producing at the same time. Uh, of course, you all are paying for that storage, and it's not being charged to the users. Um, recent study that we had uh, worked with the University of Tennessee on to look at uh, 
do sugar companies actually lower their prices when they, when they receive lower sugar prices? Because a lot of times they'll say uh, the high, high sugar prices are, are you know, cutting into our profits and forcing us to offshore uh, some of our manufacturing. Well, we, we looked at that to see if that's actually true, and it's not. When, when sugar prices fall, sugar companies don't change the prices for their product at all. Um, this chart shows that, to a certain degree, uh, wholesale refined price in the U.S., as I mentioned earlier, falling a little bit since 2010, but at the same time, prices for ice cream, candy, um, <coughs> bakery products, retail, of course, going up at the same time. So these are the kind of arguments we use to rebut some of those statements that we, we hear from uh, some of our, our, consumer, our customers. Overall, this is uh, returning to inflation since 1980, um, sugar price, refined sugar price up. 40%, but when you compare that to the input costs that you guys are facing, whether it's fertilizers, gasoline, or fuel, machinery, um, uh, wages, those have been increasing by a much higher rate. So that margin that you're getting on each pound of sugar is getting squeezed. So it's another story that we'd like to point out to some of the folks on the hill, uh, as, well as, uh, as well as some of our uh, critics in the sugar using company. With that, let me, let me finish up. I appreciate you listening to all these all these numbers, it's sort of the economic situation that we're facing right now. And uh, usually I like to end with a slide of me in a sugarcane field in Louisiana. And I'll be taking some of those over the next couple of days. But right now, this is just a picture flying in to, uh, to New Orleans the other day, looking down uh, at, at, at some of the barge traffic that's, that's there. With that, let me turn it over to Allison. Thanks for your, thanks for your time and attention.